Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello there. Thank you all for coming to this episode of Disability After Dark. I am really excited to have you here and excited for you to be back. You may have heard that our tagline has changed a bit. I decided to change things up with our 40... Third episode, I think it is, that we're up to as of right now. So we're changing things up a bit. I changed the graphic for Disability After Dark to something just a little bit sexier. I love the work that Ryan Howe did with the original illustration. But I decided to go brand new and put a new image out. So I hope you like the new image that is making its way to Disability After Dark. That was a photo taken by awesome photographer in Toronto, Paul Jemnicki. It was a great photo shoot and I saw that photo and I've loved it ever since and I wanted to use it for part of the brand. Also, the tagline of the show is now the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability because Disability After Dark is the only podcast that focuses primarily on sex and disability. So, I thought we would capitalize on that and call it the premier podcast, Shining Light on Sex and Disability. So those are the new changes. Other than that, not to worry, we'll still have amazing topics, great guests, and a lot of discussion around sex and disability. So let's get the new show started right now. Okay, so the other morning I decided to check my mail. As you do, I hadn't checked it for a few days, and sometimes being me, it, my mailbox overflows. That's really not an important part of the story, but I just didn't wasn't checking my mail on a regular basis, so I decided to go into my mailbox and just pick up the mail. So as I was rummaging through letters and bills and things, I got a letter from the disability support program that helps me with my income support in my mailbox. Now, whenever I get one of the letters from them, I immediately get... Suspect. My heart begins to race a little bit. I get a little bit clammy, a little bit sweaty, a little bit concerned. Because usually when I get a letter like this, what they're telling me is they've cut off my income support for some stupid, asinine reason like they didn't get my last employment forms or something, or they lost a form, or they need different information, which they, which this happens all the time. This happens like one or two times, maybe like within a two or three month period. They'll forget to check on something and they'll send you a nasty letter saying that your income support's been cut off. Now, for a disabled person, when they get this letter, this is really traumatic. You're like, oh, fuck. I've just lost all of my money. I'm not going to be able to feed myself. I'm, gonna, I'm totally impoverished. You realize very quickly when you, get a, when you get these letters just how impoverished you are, and that is really traumatizing. And so that's what happened to me the other day. I got the letter that said that I was, you know, they hadn't gotten my employment income, so they were going to cut off my 
income supports for the next little bit until I sent them the stuff. So I immediately sent them the things right away. But it got me thinking about the way disabled people think about money and the way money, how important money is to us because we often don't get enough of it. And because of our disabilities, we have to rely on these systems that are meant to give us money to live and to apparently prosper and have a life. But then then it you don't have enough to actually do anything or be social. So I then started thinking about how that how money affects the way we are seen in social and sexual spaces. And I wanted to do an episode primarily on the cost of dating and disabilities. So I've called this episode for the purposes of my notes so far. I've called it Dating, Disability, and Dollars. So I decided there would be two parts because I want to look at the cost of disability. So part one is dating, disability, and dollars. And part two, which will come out in a few weeks, is going to look at the other hidden costs around disability. So if you have thoughts on that and you want to be a part of part two, let me know and we'll definitely get your thoughts in on that show. So generally, when we in our society have money or, or we are working and we're making money, we feel a sense of pride, a sense of independence, a sense of sexiness in the fact that we can support ourselves, that we are upstanding, that we are socially viable, that we are contributing to society. There's a sexiness to that. There's a spark and a crackle in the idea that if we have money, we have power, we have success, we are important, we are valuable. Money is very, very tied to how we see ourselves in a social and sexual context. I mean, let's just think about it for a minute. The last time you went on a date with somebody or the last time you dated somebody, don't you get, don't you get a little bit satisfied saying things like, oh, let me grab that coffee for you or I'll get the bill or I will take care of this for you. There's a satisfaction in being able to say, I am, especially if it's your first date, with somebody or your first outing with somebody, there's something really kind of sexy about being able to say, no, 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 let me take care of that for you. I got this. I'm going to treat you and I'm able to do that. And I think there we as a society see money as a way for us to, to have freedom to say, let me buy you that dinner. Let me buy you that thing. Let me get this gift for you. I have the money. I can afford it. Let me do this for you to show you a physical manifestation of my affections in terms of a tangible thing you can buy. There's something really powerful about that. When somebody has has offered to to, you know, buy coffee for me, even in that context for a minute, I will get really kind of like, oh, that's very nice and wow, thank you for doing that or offer to buy me things like that. But you know, there's another side of it around disability which I'll get to, but for a second you feel kind of excited that this person is able to provide that for you and when I have been able to provide that for somebody I feel very empowered with the fact that I have a little bit of money to do that so yeah money definitely certainly plays into how we are viewed and how we view social and sexual interactions with each other and I think we need to talk about that with relation to disability. When you are disabled, if you are lucky enough to obtain an actual first date where the person isn't terrified of the fact that you're a wheelchair user or have a mobility device or isn't too nervous to actually go on a date with you, those expectations and that social viability around money are very much still present, but the dynamic changes a little bit. The dynamic is not exactly the same 
as if you were able-bodied. Um, and if you were non-disabled, then you were able to to get a 9-to-5 job and have certain levels of employment or certain levels of wealth that a lot of people with disabilities don't have. And the trouble is that because those social cues to have money and to pay for things and to buy someone's coffee are all still there, when you're disabled and don't have a lot of money, that certainly weighs on how how often you want to go on dates or if you even want to do it because how can you look viable if you don't have the money to pay for a coffee or pay for dinner or make your date feel important. I mean, there are so many things that go that go with that in relation to disability and how disability affects all that. So I want to kind of share with you my experience with money first, and then we'll go into how that's affected my dating. My experience with money has been this. I've been tied to something in Ontario, in, in the province of Ontario where I record this and where I live. I am in a, the system called Ontario Disability Supports, which is basically social security and social wealth nets for people with disability designed by the province of Ontario. So that's money that is given to you for income and for to basically to live. They give you shelter and they give you needs. Now, they don't give you a lot. You certainly do not get a lot of money to live. So let me explain to you how much I'm living on about a month. So my monthly cost right now, I get about $1,300 to, to start before rent is taken away. Actually, that's not true. It just got lowered. So actually, I'm only getting about $1,100 a month to live. So I live on $1,100 a month. My rent is four eighty-eight. That takes it down to, in fact, I'll do the math right now on my sexy calculator. So I start with $1,158 to start. And then after four eighty-eight, we're down to... $722, wait, no, that's wrong. Let me pull out the actual calculator because I didn't do that right, hang on. One second while I do that, audience, and we can all sit there while I get the calculator out, hang on. So I start with about $1,158 to start, and then after my rent, so we're gonna do 1158 yay Google for not doing it for me. Hang on one second. I'm glad we can make this part of the podcast. So, throw the 11.58 minus 4.88. That leaves my monthly allowances at around $670 a month is what I'm living on after my rent is paid. So I really don't have a lot of money left to spare. Actually, I have no money, and then I and then I still have bills to pay. I still have my cell phone bill, which is seventy-five. So let's put that in there. So seventy-five minus six seventy is. Let's see. The thing will tell me it's five ninety-five, and then any credit cards and stuff like that that I'm paying down brings more plus groceries and living. So after the end of the day, I'm only living on almost about just over $400 after everything else is figured out. So that doesn't leave me with a lot of money at all to play with. And then any money that I do make from my work as a disability awareness consultant, I I have to report that, and the government gets to decide how much of that I'm allowed to keep, and they will take half of that from me. So it's going to be really hard 
to make a buck and have money to feel confident when you're wooing somebody when you have no money. And so just to show you, to give you an idea of like what the kind of financial realities that people with disabilities are living with, that's it. Those are the numbers pretty much right there. Those are the, those are the rough estimates of the numbers that, that people with disabilities are living with. Some, some people have more, some people have less, but either way, it's not a lot of money at all. There's definitely more to come on this episode, but first, we're going to play some ads right here on the premier podcast, shining a light on sex and disability, Disability After Dark. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hello, I'm Mandy Ree, and you're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast that shines light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those ads and I hope you are ready for the second half of the show, Dating, Disability, and Dollars. I So you saw on the hard numbers there basically that people with disabilities are living on about, not everybody, but a lot of us are living on in abject poverty and don't have a lot of money to spare. So when you're living on about $400 a month after all your expenses are covered, how are you supposed to go about for fancy dinners? How are you supposed to even consider having a, a coffee with somebody when you go on dates? And that's something that's plagued me when I have coffee dates with somebody because I feel as a disabled person that it's really critically important for me to to for me to offer like let's hey let me get you a coffee let me do that for you as a disabled person I feel very I feel like I have to prove that I'm viable so that even if I can't afford the coffee for the other person or don't really feel like I want to pay I feel like I have to because I feel like there's this, this hidden rule that somebody will see me in my chair and see me as disabled and offered to pay for me, which has happened before. That's happened many times when I've gone on coffee dates with people. And I appreciate what they're trying to say to me. Like, oh, let me get this for you. I understand that you, your life is, you know, you live in, you do live in poverty. And they kind of, people have said, like, I went on a date with a friend the other day who's great. I love them. And they said to me, no, no, let me get this for you because... You know, they. I understand the government takes your money away, which is totally the truth and totally 
valid and they were very right to bring that up because it's just the truth but i felt extremely kind of emasculated i felt like oh wow you just saw how much how poor i am and that's another that's another aspect of coming out as disabled showing people the level of financial your level of financial wealth and showing them that and proving to them that you live in what is almost the line between poverty and being destitute all the time. We, we as disabled people straddle this line every single day when we, when we live on these systems. And it can be really hard and really kind of annoying to show people that this is how, this is what we live. This is how we live. I also think it's important when we look at this scenario of dating somebody and you go out for coffee and I'm sitting there sweating bullets over how much a cup of coffee costs because at Starbucks now we all know coffee costs like 10 bucks for one cup of coffee, right? So like there have been moments where I'm sitting with the prospective date and I'm looking at what we ordered and I'm being like, oh fuck, this, this is going to cost me money now. And I don't want to ask the other person to cover it because again, I feel like I should be able to buy my date a cup of coffee and I, I want to feel empowered by that. Um, but I will say this, there is definitely a moment of relief when somebody that I'm with says to me, you know, I will, I'll cover this, not because we've had a whole discussion about my poverty, uh, but because you just breathe a sigh of relief of like, okay, I don't have to worry about that $8 coffee. They're going to cover it. But then, I mean, there is so much, there's also just a tinge of ableism you feel when that happens. Um, and so there, it's this real dichotomy of like, what do I do? What do I say? How do I, how do I stop feeling this way? I mean, it also plays into so many other aspects of dating money and, and trying to feel, uh, viable when you just don't have the funds and you feel bad that somebody had to pay for you, but you do also feel, you definitely feel a sense of relief. I have definitely for sure blown a sigh of relief when somebody covered my coffee or covered my dinner or covered whatever kind of date we were having. They covered it. It felt really good for a minute, which was, of course, followed by a deep sense of shame afterwards. But the relief was there briefly. I mean, and it's not just coffee that where this stuff can be an issue. It's going out on like proper dates and it's going out on going out to movies and going out to events and all of that stuff costs dollars. And so when you are disabled looking at those costs, it can be really, really hard to uh, kind of own the poverty. Now, the one of the ways that I do that sometimes with dates to, to be jokey and to be funny and to, to make them laugh and to make them realize that this is part of my reality is I'll say something like, Oh, well, if, if you just come as my friend tendant to this event, friend tendant is a word that I made up to talk about how if you're my friend, but you also give me personal care. And it's a word I think we all should use when we're relying to our friends who are also sometimes our attendants. So uh, you could say to them, oh, you're my friend tendant, so I can get you into this event for free. And I'll sometimes use that freebie thing is like, oh, or I'll get you in for half price and we'll split it. I've done that with dates to kind of show them that like, hey, come and bask in this poverty with me and come and bask in the fact that I have no money, but I'm still a fucking awesome date 
and it's okay for us to talk about it, and it's okay for us to make that part of the conversation. I've been in situations where I have taken somebody on the freebie for intended date, and it feels kind of good for us to talk about the poverty a little bit and to kind of play with the idea of poverty and I'll, I'll sing a song like, oh, poverty, and make a joke about it because it's a little bit funny, but also I'm saying, like, this is my reality. If you're going to get with me, this is the kind of stuff we have to do to make this work, and if they can't get with that or if they want to pay all the time, it's going to put a strain on the relationship or the friendship. This has happened to me in friendships too where I'm becoming, at first of all, I'm not going to lie, I was very relieved when somebody would pay for me all the time. And you kind of get into this like learned helplessness thing where somebody just pays for you, which is really problematic I think when you're disabled. But part of the reality because you just don't have money and our idea of money as disabled people is sometimes different. So the idea of somebody paying for you on a date or otherwise is kind of just ingrained in your experience because what else do you know? But I do enjoy kind of owning the poverty with somebody in those experiences and saying like, this is what you're gonna get when you get with me because I can't pay for a lot of stuff, but I'm still awesome and here it is. I put a call out on my Facebook wall asking disabled individuals how they would deal with money dating and disability to kind of get an overview from my audience and from you guys what you think about dating dollars and disability and I got some really interesting responses that I want to talk about and that I want to expand on a little bit here so let's do that right now one of my one of the responses that came in was from somebody saying when somebody pays for me I feel like it's an act of pity and I feel really really sad about it and I feel really alienated from the actual experience of dating because then you wonder to yourself why is this person paying for me are they paying for me out of like conventional dating practices which says the person wooing the other person is supposed to pay or are they paying for me out of some sort of sick twisted disability poverty pity moment and how am I supposed to react to that and I think that she the, the person that posted this, I'm not going to name them, but she raises a very valid point in bringing this up. Nobody wants to feel like they're being dated out of pity. And I think when you're disabled and money is happening and somebody's paying for you, especially if dinner, if they if you go out to a fancy dinner and somebody pays and the dinner costs like, you know, upwards of like sometimes 150 bucks and somebody agrees to pay, you certainly feel... There's a moment where you're like, oh, wow, this is definitely out of pity. They wouldn't normally pay for me. And maybe they think because they paid, I'm then indebted to them or something. Or maybe they're going to, you know, I just thought about this as I was talking. Maybe if as part of the pity thing, you could, you might think as a disabled person that, oh, if they pay for me, maybe they're going to put it on social media as like, I did a, such a good thing today. I paid for this disabled guy's dinner. And look at me. I'm such a good person. Like, in our world of social media validation, that is something that could very easily happen. And I think just as I'm saying it and realizing that that might be true, that's scary to think about that that could happen. And that somebody would pay for your dinner when you think you're on a date to do it out of like, so that they could get social media likes and, and Twitter followers. That's a little bit scary. One of the comments also brought up was that when somebody pays for you, there's an implied trust. And so like if somebody pays for me, I feel like 
there is an implied trust that that it should grow out of that but also there's like issues that arise from that which is again is like why are you paying for that is are you paying for that because you want to or are you paying for it because you feel some need to validate yourself by taking care of this disabled person the actual quote from the person that posted on on the facebook message was to date as disabled you better be a supermodel with six figures and not have trust issues and i kind of agree with that you there's so much stuff that comes with money and dating and disability that you you really have to have all that in check before you go on a date or you just have to like me own your poverty and just lay it out and that's what i started doing is just owning that and kind of enjoying it one of the other comments that i feel is extremely important to bring into this conversation around dating dollars and disability and one that i actually hadn't considered before uh, bringing it before it was brought to my attention by by a listener. Thank you. You know who you are. You're awesome. They brought up to me that what if you don't have control of your own money? What if you're disabled and you live in a group home? What if you're disabled and you live with your parents? What if you do not have access to your own money? And what if somebody takes else is taking care of your finances for you? How do you explain to them and how do you kind of own up to the fact that you went out for dinner with this person? What if they are uncomfortable with you as a disabled person dating? And as a result, and they find out you're dating and they take away your money. That, I've never heard of a story personally where that happened, but I can imagine that that's very rampant if you are somebody who is living in, in an institutional setting, because let's not pretend those still don't exist, and, or you are living in a parental setting where you can't access your own funds how do you legitimize that cup of coffee how do you legitimize that movie date how do you explain that box of condoms that you felt you needed to buy because you wanted to fuck that person how do you explain all this to your your care staff or your parents how where how do those conversations start part of the reason i brought up condoms right there is because one of my one of the comments i received was from somebody saying that my that their 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 former lover at one point with a disability tried to tried to roll into like a CVS or a, a a store and didn't have enough money to buy condoms and had to explain to them that they didn't have enough money to buy condoms or the embarrassment of using your government funds to buy to buy sexual health products there, I mean, there's so much around money and disability. Like, sometimes when I spend money on stuff like that, like condoms or harnesses or things to make me feel sexy or safe and sexy, I also feel like, did I really have to spend my money on that? Why did I spend that money on that? I could have used that money for something more important, something more valuable, something more directly related to my disability. I'm not going to have sex anyway. So did I really need that jumbo box of condoms? Did I, Andrew? Did I? But that certainly happened to me at the grocery store where I wanted to buy condoms to feel I think when you when you when you're in the gro- when, you, when you're in the the CVS or the the Shoppers Drug Mart here in Canada, it's definitely Shoppers. Yeah, Shoppers. Shoppers is certainly not endorsing this podcast by the way. But if you're in the in the supermarket and you're buying a box of condoms, as a disabled person, I don't know. There's something empowering about rolling up to the to the counter and being like, "Hi, I would just like to purchase this jumbo box of condoms, please." 
and giving it to them because it, it eschews all of their expectations. But also, you do go through a moment where you're like, did I really, did I really have to spend money on that? Was that really, really important? Did I? There is so much more to this conversation around dating dollars and disability, but I wanted to stop there and I wanted to give you, the listener, a chance to think about what I've said and think about the kind of poverty that people with disabilities live in every day, trying to make ends work and trying to make ends meet and feel sexy with no money. And also think about if you are an able-bodied person and you've always, you, you are dating somebody with a disability, what is, what is that experience for you like if you've had to consistently pay for somebody with a disability. I'd love to talk to you guys about this experience, either disabled individuals who are feeling like they have no money when they go on dates, or able-bodied people who have have paid for their disabled lovers a lot. What do they feel like? Is there a strain? Is there a question there? Is there something we should talk about? But I think we need to talk about the way money is treated in dating and disability relationships because it's really, really important. What if, also lastly, think about this. What if you're both disabled and you both live on social assistance and you both don't have money? So there's definitely going to be a part two. It's going to come in probably about a month or two from now. But you can email me, tweet me. Let's talk about dating, disability, and dollars. Definitely. And let's, let's get another full episode. I also wanted to let you know that very briefly before we go today, this week will be a two-episode week on Disability After Dark. This is Monday, so you will uh, be getting another episode on Wednesday. The next episode is coming out in 48 hours from now, and it is about a giant project that I have had to keep under wraps for about a year and a half now. But it's finally happening, and I'm so excited for you to hear this next episode because it's all about a top-secret project that is finally happening. So stay tuned for a brand-new episode in only 48 hours. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, Music and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.